I'm uh, curious by show of hands, how many of you ever, have ever been told to get with the program? In, in my experience, when I've been told to get with the program, and it has happened on, uh, on more than one occasion, but when I'm told that, um, it can mean one of two things. Most often, at least in my case, and I'm not saying this is a case for you, but most often for me, it's kind of an admonishment. It, it's uh, whoever I'm accountable to pointing out to me that uh, maybe I'm not quite taking care of business the way that I should. But there have been those occasions where it wasn't quite an admonishment, but it was more of an invitation, an invitation to, to get with the program, an invitation to join into something uh, that was moving in a direction that I was being invited to move in as well. And I just want to make it clear from the beginning, my intent uh, with that title, Get With The Program or Getting With The Program, is to be an invitation. If you sense a spirit of conviction, it may not necessarily be from me, but it might be from someone who has greater influence than I do. Uh, so you can process that accordingly. But I just want you to know that I, I really look at this as an opportunity. And obviously I chose because this week I'm talking about the program aspect of that uh, triangle we've been looking at about people, places, and programs. And so I thought we'd do, have a little fun with the title. But just as we've been reviewing each week, uh, would you, let's stand up and do this. I know you just sat down, but I'll let you sit for a long time. But would you just stand up and, and go through that with me together? It is our vision. Great. Thanks. You can have a seat. Uh, Spence, I'm going to jump to the handheld now, and I'll leave my mic on as well. Um, but I... Um, We've been using this diagram uh, for the past uh, five weeks, I guess we've had it, and uh, I, this is always risky. Um, I'm going to look for some feedback from you, and uh, this may be an indicator of my effectiveness as a communicator, all right? So my question is, uh, how many of you have seen that diagram before, first of all? Okay, most of you. Raise your hands again if you've seen that diagram before. I'm trying to see if you've been here and you haven't seen it. Uh, that concerns me. But anyway, um, my, my question is, what in your words have I been trying to communicate by using that diagram? What's the point that our points that I've been trying to make with that diagram? Somebody want to share what you're taking away? Jason will. Speaking of the microphone. All right. Uh, probably the interconnection between um, all of those aspects that no no one of them on its own stands without the other two. Okay. The interconnection between people, programs, and places or people, place, and programs. Somebody else. Mike? Oh, let me bring back here. Sit on Amy's lap here. All right. I think they're the most important aspects that make up our Father's church. Okay, the key elements of, of the church, uh, the church that is, that is sincere and, and intentional about uh, following the directive that, that God had and the example that, that uh, Jesus set for us in, in building a group of Christ followers. Somebody else? Donna? Right up close, Atta girl. I take away that what we believe and learn in our hearts and know in our hearts about Christ that we need to share with people outside of our realm of comfortability. Uh, outside of our comfort zones. I think we just sang about that. And what you have, Alex? Oh, yeah, I want to look there. All right. <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody on this side of the room, they're making you look bad over here. So just a second, I'll be right back, Marsha. All right. 
get my workout this morning. Jody? Um, I think most of it, from what I'm taking away, is that we really need to reach out to people outside of our church, um, but not only just reaching out to them, but we need to also make sure we're praying for ourselves to be better um, Christians, first off, and then also make sure that we're allowing other people besides our leaders that we already have to become leaders, too. But we need to find ways, um, creative ways, to uh, make more programs and find places outside of the church to grasp and do things Sweet. within the church. All right. I think maybe I'm done for today. All right. Um, not much more I can add to that, but uh, Marsha's got something to add, so. I'm kind of taken away from it is if I can change myself as a person, then I can help other people around me, then that also will help change and start new programs and places. So we're going to be everywhere, kind of like, Awesome. The Lord. Great. Linda? No? Dan? No? All right. All right. Somebody who's just dying to say something? Oh, Dean is. All right. Thank you. I kind of see it as a trinity. Without people, we can't go out to places. Uh-huh. Without programs, we're not going to get people. Okay. And they kind of kind support of each other. Interconnected. Kinda Super. What you preached on the other week there. All right. We've got to expand if we're going to have more people, but we've got to have more people with programs and willingness to need to expand. Cool. All right. Thanks, Dean. Um, I'm going to shut it down now, Spence. Um, as it may not surprise you, um, I oftentimes get feedback with regard to what I have to say up here. And, and this past, in response to last week's message, I probably got a little bit more than usual. And as I processed all of that, which I always try to process it, it, is, it kind of fell into three categories. And, and some of the responses uh, were, were very clear. And they, and they said, Pastor, you talked about places and you, and you made us all sit close together. But once we all crunched together, look, at there were all all those empty seats on both sides of the room and, and they made the, the, the point and it, and it was a valid point that um, most days at least many days if not most days we have plenty of room in this building uh, you know and if you've been here in the summer we certainly have have extra room and and so there is a point at which um, as I process I thought you know what that is a very valid and, and it's a very real reasonable point uh, part of me in the back of my mind I started this series or at least Early in this series, I showed a video from a pastor by the name of Bill Hybels, and he pastors a mega church in the suburbs of Chicago. And I remember him hearing him speak one time, and and they had an auditorium. I can't even begin to guess how big their auditorium was. It had to seat you know four to five thousand people. They had uh, I think four Sunday morning services. They had uh, two Saturday evening services. They were averaging over twenty thousand in attendance, and they decided to build a bigger auditorium really <laughs> a bigger auditorium and and people uh were understandably some people were were critical of that it's like you, you're big enough you know just add another sunday morning service or another sunday afternoon service or another saturday service uh, start some satellite campuses why do you need to build a bigger auditorium and and his response to that was in his experience he felt it was important that they did everything within their power, as God enabled them, to always have available seats at prime times. 
Now, some people who are really committed to go to church or maybe if they have a, a Catholic background where they're used to going to Mass on Saturday evening instead of Sunday morning or if they like to sleep till noon, you know, they're okay with services at different times. But the majority of folks, if they think about going to church, they're going to look sometime in that Sunday morning time slot as when they're most likely to engage. So in the back of my mind, I think, yes, most days we have plenty of room, but we also need to think about those, those other days and what we want to do about that. Um, then at the opposite end of the spectrum, I got responses like, Pastor, what are we waiting for? Let's get shovels and, and start digging a hole. Um, you know, let's go buy some wood and, and build something. And, and obviously, I appreciate that kind of enthusiasm and... and uh, to, to be surrounded with people who think that way is a great encouragement to me. Uh, but on the other hand, there is a point at which I think the Bible talks about, you know, considering the cost before you jump into a project. And, and just to make sure that, you know, we, we slow down and we think about all the dynamics, about the people, about the places, and about the programs, uh, about the, the volunteers, about the possibility of paid staff. Those are all things that have to factor into that discussion. So as much as I would love to, to jump on the, the bandwagon, what, what are we waiting for? I realized that we also have to kind of process that. And then th there was another response that I got, and, and it was kind of along the lines of, it wasn't Houston we have a problem, but it was really more along the lines of, Pastor, we have a problem. And uh, um, many of you uh, come in on Sunday mornings, and you come straight to this room. Uh, and you sit down, you have a great service, you spend time visiting with folks, and then, and then you generally head straight out that door unless you need to make it to the restrooms uh, or to the coffee pot. Um, or if you go to the coffee pot, then you have to make your way to the restrooms. But um, there are others who come in the door and they head down the hall, uh, either to drop off children or to serve down the hall. And I don't know if she had listened to my message yet, uh, but I had some interaction with Barb Densmore um, earlier in the week. Uh, I want to say Tuesday. And uh, uh, we were doing a project together. And many of you know Barb. Uh, she is uh, an incredible servant. Uh, she has a passion for kids. I've seen few people weep over other people's children more so than Barb. Um, but Barb is also... Uh, pause the tape. Don't no. <laughs> uh, Barb. Barb speaks her mind, right, Jerry? Right, Ron? <laughs> All right. Barb speaks her mind, and 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 I've learned, uh, being sharing life and ministry with Barb for twenty some years. Uh, when Barb speaks her mind, I listen. And, and she said, Pastor, uh, we've got a problem. I said, Okay. If it's a problem for Barb, it concerns me. And she said, you know, I'm teaching in the preschool room. And I said, yeah. She said, did you know that we had 12 preschoolers in our room? And me, being the guy who counts and records statistics, I'm saying, yes! Not being the one who's locked in that room with 12 preschoolers. <laughs> and she said to me, um, she said to me, we've got more people maybe more people than we can effectively manage in that room she said pastor I really think that sometime soon we need to think about dividing the preschool class into two smaller classes all right and I thought okay good Barb I'm with you and she said by the way 
I happened to look next door <laughs> in room 103, the kindergarten through second grade class, and they had at least 12 kids. She said, I think we need to divide that class into two classes. And I'm thinking, okay, we got two empty rooms. Okay, we're, we're, we, we can make this happen. What we're going to do with all that stuff in those rooms, we'll, we'll work on that. But then she said, people, places, she said, Pastor, if we split those classes, we're going to need twice as many teachers as what we do right now, programs. And I thought, wow, uh, maybe we do need to be thinking about this whole people, places, programs. More children equals a need for more space. More space, I mean, if we could divide the classrooms right now and just lock the door and put half those preschoolers in a room by themselves, we'd be great. Because they're not my kids, they're your kids, okay? You just drop them off, lock the door, and come back and get them in an hour, and we'll see what happens. We'll take out all the sharp objects and cover the outlets. I think they'll be okay. More children means we need more space. More space needs we mean need more teachers. More teachers need, means we need more training so that we all feel comfortable and competent. So, again, as you picked up from that diagram, they are all interconnected. But we've talked about people and we've talked about uh, places. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about programs this morning and, and what it might mean uh, for 2012 to be our best program year ever. And uh, got ahead of myself on my own notes here. Hate it when that happens. Can't blame Spence. I started wrestling, and, and when I started this series, I, I knew I was going to get to this point at some point in time. What would it look like for 2012 to be our best program year ever? And when I started this series, I had all kinds of great ideas. I thought about, you know, a, an additional discipleship time. Some of you old-timers, some of you old-timers will remember back in the day when we had, initially it was called Sunday school, and then we got contemporary and called it discipleship hour because Sunday school was old-fashioned in somebody's mind. But we eventually gave that time up. We, we would come extra early on Sunday morning. Uh, we would have a study time broken up into different age groups. Then we would take a short break, long enough to use the restroom and grab a fresh cup of coffee, and then we would have church. But over the course of time, we gave that up. And I will tell you this, um, I have a lot of regrets, but that is one decision regarding the church that I think was a really bad idea. And now that we look at trying to reclaim that time, uh, it's a bit of an uphill battle. So one of the first things I thought about when I thought about for 2012 to be our best programming year, or program year, uh, was, was additional discipleship training. We've talked a lot about it. We've talked about it over the years. But also there, there's an element of spiritual gifts training or development or application. The, the reality is we all have stuff that we bring to the table. Uh, life experiences, spiritual giftings that God has uniquely equipped us, our personalities, our passions, 
passions, our interests, all of which can help to make this church stronger. So there's a point at which spiritual gifts training to me, I thought, yeah, if we're going to have the best programming year, that's got to be part of it. I thought about more small groups. It is great, uh, the small groups that we do have, the, 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 the study at Densmore's, the study at Wetzel's, uh, the, the ladies' Bible study. I thought, for this to be our best programming year ever, yeah, we probably need to look at more small groups. I thought about, and I talked about it before, leadership development. Uh, for, for this to be our best programming year ever, we need to be doing something for leadership development. I thought about membership training classes. I thought about teacher training. And, and then I thought, you know, if we're really going to be on top of it programming-wise, then we need to make more time to, to worship together. You know, just time dedicated, set aside, uh, special nights of worship, special nights of prayer. And, and I was just on a roll. And I stopped there just because I ran out of room on my PowerPoint slide. But, but I had all kinds of great ideas. But the more I tried to develop the message, I just kept getting stuck. And I, and I found myself wondering if I was really getting with the right program. And, and I wrestled with that throughout the course of the week. Uh, the reading that I was doing in the New Testament reading plan, the community Bible experience we were doing, kind of began to, to create some some thoughts that I couldn't quite bring together. And, uh, and then I came to, to worship rehearsal on, uh, on Wednesday night. And I listened to the worship team, and uh, while we were working on the slides, I started looking at the words. Now think about that, that one song we sang. It was called Revival. And it said things like this. I hear the voice of one crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. As sure as gold is precious and the honey is sweet, so you love this city and you love these streets. Every child out playing by their own front door, every baby laying on the bedroom floor, every dreamer dreaming in their dead-end job, every driver driving through the rush hour mob. And then there's this phrase. I feel it in my spirit. Feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival. Bring them all back home. And the chorus, for I can hear the thunder in the distance like a train on the edge of town. And then there's this phrase that just haunts me. I can feel the brooding of your spirit. Lay your burdens down. And it talks in verse 2, from the preacher preaching when the well is dry. And friends, I've been there coming up here on Sunday mornings and, and, and just feeling dry inside. But God wants to revive that. To the lost soul searching for a higher high. I've been there. From the young man working through his hopes and fears. To the widow walking through the veil of tears. Every man, every woman, every old, every young. Every father's daughter, every mother's son. I feel it in my spirit. Feel it in my bones. You're going to send revival. Bring them all back home. And then it says revival. Revive us with your fire. And I thought if, if we're going to talk about getting with a program as important as all those things I listed, discipleship time and prayer and worship and, and, and leadership training, if we're really going to get with the program, it starts with that program. It doesn't start with our programs. 
The, the, the next song that we sang after that was Break Our Hearts. And friends, just close your eyes with me and listen to these words. Don't sing it in your head. That's what I do when, I, when somebody's reading a song that I, that I know. But just imagine, imagine what would be different in your life. Imagine what would be different in our church if we got with this program. It's time for us to live the songs we sing and turn our good intentions into action. To bring the kind of worship you desire and move beyond our self-absorbed distractions. What in the world would it look like for that to be true of us? Since the mountains are shaking, could this be a great awakening? The chorus says, break our hearts with the things that break yours. Wake us up to see through your eyes. Break our hearts with the things that break yours. And send us out to shine in the darkness. Verse 2 just doesn't get any better. It's time to move outside our comfort zone. To see beyond our churches and our homes to change the way we think and how we spend until we look like Jesus again. And the bridge was, here I am, send me to be your hands and feet. Here I am, send me, I will go. Father, we bow our heads and we quiet our hearts before you for just a moment. And we wonder, we picture, we dream what it would be like for those things to be true of us. For all aspects of our lives to get with the program. The program that prompts the brooding of your spirit. The program that brings all the lost back home. The program that breaks our hearts for the things that break yours. The program that that prompts us to try to bring every era of our life into alignment with you and with your spirit. Father, let that not just be a song that we sing or songs that we sing, but let that be the overflow of our hearts, the expression of our determination to get with the program and partner with you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Getting with the program, what does that program look like? Somebody recently, uh, one of the board members recently made a comment to me, and it was one of those moments where, uh, you ever have that, where, you, where, where somebody says something, and as soon as they say it, uh, you're still trying to listen, but your mind locks into that statement. And I, and I immediately wrote it down. And they, and they said, Pastor, I don't understand what it is, but I sense that something is stirring within our congregation. And to me... If we're going to get with the program, it's a matter of getting our heads around what that stirring is, what it looks like, and making that the program that we get with. And uh, as I thought more about it, I came back to the idea that I said a couple weeks ago about disciples making disciples who in turn make disciples. And I thought, 
Yeah, that's the program. And, and some of you know me. I, I like things in neat packages. And I, and I thought, well, what, is that, what does that look like for us? What's, what's the program going to be like? And, and, and I've commented to you before that when we're doing a Bible reading program, I, I try, and this may seem like a silly mind game that I play, but I, but I try to distinguish between my, my reading the Bible just to enjoy reading the Bible and reading the Bible to prepare for a sermon. Because I think just like all of us, it's important for me to understand the Bible is for me. It's not just uh, fodder for me to write sermons based upon. It's for me to process and to live. So I usually kind of try to keep those two separate. But this week, as I read through the Bible reading in our New Testament plan, I just couldn't separate the two. And those of you who are in the plan know that we finished up Romans this week. We read through Colossians. We read through Ephesians. We read through Philemon, Philippians, Timothy, first and second, and Titus. And time after time after time, as I read through that, I was impressed with this idea of disciples making disciples. In the, in the notes that, that uh, preceded the beginning of, of Colossians, it talked about how Paul is writing this pastoral letter to this church that he's never been to before. It was someone named Epaphras who Paul had discipled who in turn went to Colossae and and ministered there. And I thought, that's it. It's me teaching one of you who in turn goes down the hall and teaches one of them who in turn grows up and teaches somewhere else. It's Kathleen teaching someone what it means to lead worship who in turn teaches someone else to lead worship. It's Ed doing all the stuff he does to pull together the wild game dinner and and Craig partnering with that and then making sure that they're training someone else to do that same thing uh, when they get too old and too feeble to do it themselves. Not for a long time, all right? (laughs) <laughs> um, so, so as I, as I worked through that I, I came back to this idea what would it look like for 2012 to be our best programs year ever and as important as all those things I mentioned in my original list that I was going to come and, and hammer away at for a couple of weeks and, and, and try to generate energy to start some new programs I went back to what Paul said in Colossians and Ephesians, Philemon, Philippians, Timothy, Titus. And and I simplified it. And and the program starts with fessing up. All right? As I read what Paul said to those churches, it started with making sure that they were right in their relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when we share the plan of salvation, we talk about it starts with confession. It starts with saying, I have a spiritual need. And friends, the the program that's going to drive us forward is with all of us. And several of you mentioned this when I asked you about that diagram. It starts with me saying, I'm going to put my house in order personally, spiritually. I'm going to fess up where I'm, where I'm not measuring up and I'm going to work to change those things and become more in alignment with what he wants from me and the example that he set. Then as Paul worked with his churches, uh, it was 
grow up consistently he talked about you guys got to grow up you need to put off the old stuff the the stuff you used to do the stuff that's holding back and you got to put on something new he time and time again it's not good enough just to cover up the old he said you got to get rid of it you've got to put it off and and programs are great but what if we all made a greater effort to grow up in our own spiritual life independent or in addition to anything that happens within the church doors if we said you know what um I, to be gut level honest i've been coasting spiritually and i'm going to read the bible not just to read it and say i checked it off but but i'm going to read it and look to be changed and transformed by it i'm not going to come and just sing songs i'm going to come and pour my heart out and worship and invite god to do a work in my heart as i worship what if part of the getting with the program part of our determination to grow up wasn't just to say let's start new programs but what if it was a matter of saying you know what let's maximize the programs that we already have you know when when i began to process this idea that that something was stirring in our midst my first and, and i'm embarrassed to admit this all right but one of my first responses was we need to have some special times of prayer to to pray that god will help us get our heads around and our hearts around what it is he's doing in our midst now how many of you think special prayer time is a bad idea so you all think that would be great and then i thought wait a minute don't we have a prayer time most sunday nights why would i start a special prayer night when we already have a prayer night novel thought isn't it and I thought about more small groups. And, and as wonderful as that is, and as painful as it may be for some of you to drive all the way to Homer or all the way to wherever it is Damien lives, I don't know if that's Parma or Albion or whatever. But what if, what if, Barb and Jerry came to me again and said, Pastor, we got a problem we got so many people in our small group we had to move out of the house and move out into the garage then we'd say gosh I guess we better have another small group what if and I think they've been close to this point the Wetzels came and said you know what we just can't pack any more people in our living room can we please split our group in two what if instead of having a special night of worship as wonderful as that is and we're going to talk about that in a few weeks what if every Sunday when we came together it was a special time of worship where we just were all in during that time slot what if we got with the program to grow up what if instead of starting uh, a discipleship hour before church what if more and more and more of us stuck around for the community Bible discussion that we have after church right now. What if? And, I, and so I realized that before I get the cart ahead of the horse and say, let's start new stuff, probably I need to say, let's make sure we're maximizing the stuff we have already. One of the other things that jumped out at me as I read through Paul's letters as he wrote to those churches, this disciples making disciples, was time and time and time again, somewhere tucked in those letters, it was, hey, you fessed up, 
You're growing up. Now, will you please just get along so we can get about the business that God set for us? That was important. I don't have any specific issues. But to me, can you imagine having someone write a letter that is going to be around for thousands of years that says, Bill Carr and Ruben Ruyo, will you two please get along? And, and people are going to read that forever? Paul did that because it was that important. What if we said, you know what? Part of the program is we're going to get along and be there for each other. And then finally, the program that Paul laid out. After we've fessed up, after we've gotten right with God, after we've started this process of growing up, and friends, trust me, we're always going to be growing up. After we've understood the importance of getting along and, and supporting one another, we say, you know what, next we're going to step up. We're going to step up and serve. We're going to step up and teach. We're going to step up and lead. We're going to step up and train others who in turn one day will train others who will in turn one day train others. I just can't help but think that's the program that we need to be getting with. Like I said, initially when I started this series, today was going to be a day to, to pitch new stuff. But I feel much more important that we pitch old stuff and make it new and make it vibrant and make it powerful we're going to end today with a couple of songs and, and I'm going to read the words to get you ready for them the first one is with my whole heart imagine if we all said you know what I'm getting with the program with my whole heart the highest purpose known to man, the greatest truth that we could ever comprehend, the deepest, deepest joy we could ever hope to gain is to love the Lord our God above everything. And remember, when Scripture talked about loving the, God, loving the Lord your God above everything, what came right after that? Loving your neighbors as yourselves. That engagement with those around us. Imagine if we all got with the program with my whole heart, with my whole heart and mind, with my whole heart, mind, and strength. We sought him, the Lord our God. With my whole heart, with my whole mind, with my whole heart and mind, with my whole heart, mind, and strength, I will love you, Lord. Imagine. And then it's a song we, we've done for a number of years called Rise Up, O Men of God. And this isn't just a men thing. This is a, a men and women thing. This isn't just an old thing. It's a young and old thing. It says in the chorus, rise up, the Lord is calling. This is not me. This is God's calling for us. Rise up, this is the day. Rise up and seize the moment. Rise up, O men and women of faith. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Think about the stuff that distracts us. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. Bring, on the, bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. And this part gets me every time. 
Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Friends, imagine that God is stirring in our midst and it's just waiting for us to rise up and make her great. It's just waiting. Then it says, lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. Would you pray with me? Friends, I can't imagine a challenge that I could offer that would be any better than that one. Rise up. The Lord is calling. Rise up. God is stirring in our midst and he wants us to join him in that. And the program is not one that we create. The program is one of partnering with him, of running where he says to run, of waiting where he says to wait. Father, as I speak those words, I apologize for the times that your spirit has had to wait for me to rise up. And I pray, Father, that you would help each and every person in this room to rightly discern where it is we need to rise up, where it is we need to partner with you, where it is we need to fess up, where it is we need to grow up, where it is we need to do the hard work, the challenging work to get along, where it is we need to step up so that your church can be all that you want it to be. Thank you, Father.